1: Ethan Skolnick here for the 5 on the Floor podcast on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Before we get to today's episode, I want to make sure that if you're going to bet this weekend, you do it over at betdsi.com. That's bet dsi.com. Use the promo code 5101. That's F-I-V-E 101. You'll get a bonus there right at the very start. Something to play with as you go forward. And of course, you can bet the games as they're happening before they're happening. And also, you can bet the futures. You can still get in on the Miami Heat. They're at 43 yeah, money's not quite as great on that as it was a few weeks ago when I told you to bet the over, but you still can do it. It's at 43 right now. If you feel good about the Heat's chances to get into the high 40s as we do, that's a good place to go. Obviously, you can bet the Panther games. And, of course, you've got, uh, you know, got the Hurricanes coming up against Georgia Tech. I believe they're a 20-point favorite. And, of course, the Miami Dolphins announced that Ryan Fitzpatrick is their starter again up in Buffalo. So if you believe in Fitz magic take the Dolphins they actually covered last week so go to betdsi.com, that's betdsi.com. promo code 5101
0: welcome to five on the floor a miami heat and nba podcast i'm ethan skolnick with alban sydney aka alp 954 brought to you by the five reasons sports network
1: All right, Ethan Skoldick back here on Five on the Floor. I'm here with Alphonson. You can find him at ALF954. We'll be joined by Alex Toledo. Another day, actually, we've got people covering the games coming up. Brian Goins, you know him from Miami Heat Beat. He's going to be at Heat Orlando on Thursday night, and then Alf and Alex will be manning the fort on Friday night for the Heat's preseason game at home. Um, I will not be at that one, but I will be at the season opener, and we'll have a full crew there next Tuesday. Also, another announcement. We're kind of happy about this one. I was trying to figure out who would be the right person to launch this NBA season, this Heat season. Why not the guy who's been here 32 years? So, we're going to have Eric Reed on the pod. You know him as the play-by-play voice of the Miami Heat. He'll be on the pod leading up to the opener against Memphis next Tuesday. I've had Eric on the pod before. He's great. We actually, that one went so long, that Heat Stories episode, we broke it into two parts. So, I don't know that we'll go two parts on Tuesday, but um, really good stuff. I want to get into kind of the five. Things that Eric's most excited about this upcoming season. All right, Alf and I are going to deviate a little bit on this one. You know, we've been talking a lot. You know about uh, you know Alex and I did a whole podcast basically on the starting lineup, and we've been talking a lot about how the current team is playing and how the pieces fit. But you can't avoid Twitter, right? And fans are never satisfied. It's never enough. I mean, as happy as everybody has been about how things have gone, and I don't think really from the off season through training camp, through the preseason, things could have gone any better for the Heat. You know, after really struggling with a bunch of kind of, you know, bad decisions and injuries and all kinds of things the past couple years, with the exception of the James Johnson conditioning thing, which is still odd, and my understanding is, and I, I want to correct this, my understanding is Deion Waiters did have a legitimate personal issue, which is why he was away from the team, but other than him kind of making it clear he's not really thrilled about being a reserve, if that's the way it goes, everything else has gone pretty much perfectly. I mean, everybody was happy at training camp up in West Palm when I was up there. Eric is smiling a lot. Pat Riley's smiling a lot. The rookie looks like, you know, an all-NBA player, okay? A guy that nobody wanted to be drafted, Tyler Harrow. Jimmy Butler, has he hasn't been aggressive on the court yet, but he's fit in great off the court. Myers Leonard has been a great find for them. You kind of called that out a little bit, and he's been terrific. Everything has gone well. Kendrick Nunn looks like a player. Kid they picked up off the scrap heat. Akpala has shown some signs. I think this is a red shirt year for him, but I think there's a chance there. Eric Spolsch has got a new four-year contract. Like, there's nothing not to like about what's happened over the past few weeks, and yet, Heat fans are always looking for next. And I want to pose this question to you. At this point, is there any reason not to just be satisfied? I'm not saying forever, But not to just be satisfied right now with this team that the Heat are taking into the season.
2: I guess the the thing I would say is I don't want to be prisoner of the moment, right? Because what we've seen is preseason basketball. Like, we don't want to go crazy. Like, I am enjoying the hell out of watching Tyler Hero play. I'm enjoying the way him and Justice are playing together. Jimmy Butler has showed you nothing offensively. Nothing. Uh, he's bailed him out at the end of a few possessions, which is kind of like what you brought him here to do but offensively he's done nothing he after the um Christian Hernandez uh looked this up on uh, heat beat yesterday after the first quarter and this is something I had said because I saw it with my with the just with the eye test after the first quarter Jimmy and Justice looked like they were shutting everybody down defensively they go from a 115 uh, uh defensive rating in the first quarter down to a 75 in the second and third quarter, and neither, neither of those guys have played a lot in the fourth. So they're showing you what they can do defensively. Um, so overall, it's been very exciting. I don't want to be prisoner of the moment, but what I do want to see, I want to see this team in the regular season, at least for 30, 40, 90, maybe, maybe 25, 30 games. I want to see what they can do. I want to see Tyler Hero in regular season basketball. I want to see him and Justice play together. I want to see both Myers and Kelly Olenek in the starting lineup to see what both both of them can do. I'm still really excited to see what Kelly can do out there with Tyler because the dribble handoffs and some of the things that, uh, that Kelly can do from the high post, I don't know if Myers can do those yet, but Myers also brings you some rebounding and some toughness inside that that not, not Kelly, not necessar- Kelly necessarily can't do on a night in, night out basis. So, yeah, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but also at the same time, you don't want to give up on what they have right now by going out there and just trying to make a splashy move and destroying whatever chemistry that this team has built up so far in the summer, in the preseason, because it looks like they've built something already.
1: Yeah, I mean, the chemistry I do think matters. And this all comes down to, I think, are you looking at pieces that are going to get you over the top? Okay, are you gonna, that are going to turn you from a team that I believe could be as high as a three seed this year. I had this conversation with Mark Stein was sitting next to me at the game the other night, and I said to Mark, I said... I think they're a three seed. And he looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> and I said, it's the East. It's the East, Mark. Like, it's the East. And we started going through it. He's like, well, who do you have? I said, well, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, one order or the other. And I, I think that's clear. I don't think anybody argues with that. But then you look at the rest. He's like, well, what about Boston? I said, you like their bigs? What about Indiana? How is Depot going to look when he comes back? Okay, And then you start to look at the other teams and you're like, okay, Detroit, Orlando were playoff teams last year. I don't like either of them that much. I mean, Orlando's whole team stayed healthy last season. Their top six all played, I think, at least 77 or 78 games. Brooklyn... It's possible. I guess they have a really nice guard rotation. I like Jared Allen. I don't love their depth. And uh, Durant changes the equation, obviously. But how healthy is Kyrie? How healthy is Kyrie going to be? And how committed is Kyrie going to be? I don't know that they upgraded that much from D'Angelo Russell that you you say, okay they're a 50 win team. And so you're looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference and, you know, you say Toronto and we're going to talk about them a lot on this episode. Toronto, okay. Is Siakam ready to be a star? Is he a top five player in the Eastern Conference at this point? Because if he's not, then the Heat have a better player in Jimmy Butler than they do. And I would argue that the Heat's, you know, have are probably better and deeper than they are at a lot of positions. You know, Kawhi. We could talk about them being seventeen and five without Kawhi last year, but it's different to do it over eighty two than it is to do it over twenty two. So I, I, you know, when you look at the East. I mean, if we were the West. I mean, Mark covers a really you know interesting Dallas team with with Porzingis and Doncic, and they're not making the playoffs in the Western Conference, but they would make the playoffs in the East. So right, so so I think you're looking at ten or eleven teams in the West. The only teams in the West that I think are non-competitive are Phoenix and Minnesota. I think the other thirteen are, are pretty damn competitive. New Orleans roster, I love New Orleans roster in their future. Uh, you know, we talk about Denver and Utah and L A. and L A. and Houston and I, Golden State. Steph Curry is going to win MVP. Uh, there are six, seven, eight, nine teams in the Western Conference. San Antonio is still coached by Pop. They still have two All-Star type players. So, But you're in the East. It's a different story. And so, to me, if you're going to talk about a trade, it's got to be something that makes you demonstrably better than already being third in the Eastern Conference. It has to elevate you to championship contender. The guy who was talked about a lot on Twitter today was Kyle Lowry. And I saw that Kyle Lowry you know, liked some things related to Heat fans and all the rest of this. I know Dragic is on the last year of his deal. Unless you don't believe that Justice Winslow can be a starting point guard in the NBA, I don't know why you would make a move for Kyle Lowry. He's – he yes, he has a bulldog mentality defensively. He's also in his 30s at this stage. He's a small player, okay? We know that the Heat don't typically love small point, point guards. I know Tim Hardaway, but for the most part, they don't love small point guards. And, you know, if you look at Lowry's situation, he has never been – a great clutch player, um, I guess a little better at times last year at the playoffs. But I remember that playoff series against the Heat. I don't know. Does does subbing in Kyle Lowry for Goran Dragic? If you think they're a three to five seed right now, does that make you a two seed in the Eastern Conference? And you're giving up Winslow 2 You're giving up a first round pick, which you know those are assets. I don't look at that. Bradley Beal, different situation. I know that he's is he a player that gets you to that next level right away. Probably so. What are you giving up for him? Are you giving up Tyler Harrow after what we've seen here right now? I'm not sure. But I, I, I'm of the mind right now. I agree with you. I want to see this team for 30 games. I want The Heat always talk, Alf, about how they never got to see certain teams play. We hear all the time about, and I think they're wrong about this one, but the 2014-15 team, right? We never got to see that lineup, which, by the way, two of the four, five guys in that lineup were Norris Cole and Josh McRoberts. Remember, Cole had beaten out Chalmers. I don't know what that lineup would have been. But then we also hear about we never really got to see the Dragic-Bosch team together in 15-16 consistently. That one I agree with a little bit. But, like, I want to see this team together. I want to see what this looks like. Before all of a sudden you go after somebody, unless you're trading for Giannis or Kawhi, <laughs> I don't even know that Bradley Beal is that. Like, what you have
2: to look at is Kyle Lowry at 33 years old. He'll be 34 during the season. At $30 million a year, is it? Basically, his contract is Justice and Gorons combined, right? Is he, and he's a better offensive player to me than Justice, hands down. Him and Goran, probably, st- probably still a better offensive player than Goran, but is it by enough to hurt your flexibility in the future for a 34-year-old, smallish point guard? Now, I mean, usually, I mean, maybe if he comes down here, they'll get him in better conditioning, but he, he's normally not, not in the best condition. And to me, it just doesn't move the needle enough.
1: Yeah, something has to be transformative. And Kyle Lowry is not transformative, not, not at this stage of his career. And the other thing about it is, you know, I I think it would sort of cut the knees off a little bit of what some of the other guys are doing here. Like this has been a real feel good group. The Dion thing is worth monitoring, but everything else, there's been this real positivity around this camp. And this idea, and this is the stuff that I think fans never take into account. Because I don't even know that the Heat are considering anything. I'm not reporting anything. This is really just Twitter rumors. Like you said, Zach Lowe is throwing this out there that we've talked about this, that Toronto, Masai's really smart, and if Masai sees that they don't really have a chance to compete in a significant way he's going to start selling off what he can sell off and that might be Lowry it might be Gasol and you rebuild the team around Siakam which is the way that I think that he planned to go all along if Kawhi left which he expected him to leave he got the championship out of it so I understand why Zach Lowe was talking about it and Zach Lowe is very connected I can tell you and he's not just great at the X's and O's stuff but he's extraordinarily correct connected around the NBA so, yeah, will they look to move Lowry? It's very possible if they kind of fall into the bottom half of the Eastern Conference pretty early in the season. But I just don't think it's the kind of move that, that would make sense for the Heat. And I think the fans have to recognize at some point that there's a human cost to all of these things. This is what we've talked about with tanking in, in the NFL, that it's like it sounds good on paper, and you know you throw it on a spreadsheet, and you talk about getting assets, but once you start treating your employees as assets your employees don't operate quite the same way. And the I'm gonna use the word, the culture of an organization that you're in starts to go the wrong direction. And the Dolphins culture we've seen this year is not ideal, even though they <laughs> excuse me, even though they competed last week. But there's a human cost too to ripping apart a roster for the sake of ripping apart a roster. I don't think this is a roster that needs to be ripped apart to get the heat to ascend Back to a somewhat contending position in the Eastern Conference. So for me, it's about giving these guys the room, the Winslows, the Harrows, and whatever, to prove what they can be to you, or if not, to prove what you can be to somebody else. And I understand that Pat has done this before. He had Karan Butler, he flipped him to go get uh, Shaq. Okay, we can talk, and Lamar wrote him too, but Karan was the guy that he drafted. You know, he had Glenn Rice, who he inherited, he flipped him to go get Zoe. He will make that trade to go... He had Josh Richardson, who suddenly is the best player in the NBA. He flipped him to go get Jimmy Butler. He will take a B-plus player and move the B-plus player. And Glenn Rice was a little better than that. But he will move the B-plus player to try to get the A player. And he's going to try to do that every time. And so, yes, is it possible that somewhere down the road that Tyler Harrell becomes a pretty pretty good player? and you know but bradley beal is still a superstar or close to a superstar and you make the trade it's still possible but i just don't i think the fans are obsessing about something right now when i think what the fans should just be is pretty happy and satisfied where, where this team is right now
2: well you talk about the human element and i just want to get back to that when outside of just the players and you know i come from a uh, the fan perspective on a lot of this stuff i i I think we get bogged down to what happens on Twitter a lot because Twitter is obsessed with the transaction. But if you've been in that arena and you've seen the way that this fan base has taken to Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler and Myers Leonard, I mean people there's Myers Leonard jerseys all over the damn arena. This this community is already starting to fall in love with this team off of the preseason. Carry this momentum into the regular season, and all of this is conjecture, of course. And I really do think the Heat have their team that they're going to trust for the first twenty-five to thirty games. But just for the rest of the fan base, the guys on Twitter, that any time any name they've ever heard of <laughs> comes up in conversation, they start photoshopping him in a Heat jersey. Just chill out. Like fall in love with this team because I really think they're going to be a lot of fun. These few preseason games in, in the American Airlines arena, the home games, have been a ton of fun. And we all know it's just preseason, but the crowd is amped up. Every time Tyler shoots, the whole the whole crowd just waits and they, they know we all know what's going in. Even if it doesn't. Everyone's just excited about Tyler Hero. When Jimmy Butler gets announced. I mean, there's just there's a feeling in the community right now. They're rallying around this team. Just let this team have this twenty five games.
1: And I do think the preseason means something. You know, I I don't think the results mean anything like the fact that it's been three routes, but you get a sense of how a team is playing together. And la- think back to last preseason. The heat were choppy last preseason. There were issues during the preseason that were clear never. that never cleared up the whole year and it was and guys were in and out. It didn't look like Eric had any clue about a rotation, whereas, look, he got to his starting lineup, and I believe it is his starting lineup. He got to his starting lineup in Game 3. Now, I know the preseason is shorter than it used to be, so you have to get to it quicker. He had a back-to-back in there, but he got to it in Game 3. Like, There's been a clear direction. I, I, I what the, the reason that I've been so bullish on this team this year, we started talking about this a couple months ago, is this, it's uncluttered. It's, un- it's an uncluttered roster. It makes sense. And I feel like there's been a plan. Like, okay, once they sort of figured out who they were going to have to move to get Jimmy and who was probably going to stay, then it was like, all right, now we know what we can do with these pieces. I will tell you this, talking to Mark Stein a little bit more about the whole Mavericks heat situation with the trade, because we talked about that a little bit. He still doesn't know who was at fault for that. And I'll tell you, Marcus is plugged in with the Mavericks as he is anywhere in the league and he's very plugged in around the league he still doesn't know but he said very clearly the Mavericks were in love with Olenek Olenek is the one that they wanted okay now DJJ was thrown in there but Olenek Kelly and we haven't even seen Kelly this preseason but they didn't want Goran they didn't have any interest in Goran like that was a piece they did not want and I that surprises me relationship with Luka last year of his contract still a competent player good locker room guy they didn't want him but once that trade was made, and look, they were able to get Myers Leonard for Whiteside, looks like a really useful piece. You dump Hassan's ass. Uh, hey, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of it, right? I mean, you saw Bam on a bio liked uh, a comment on Instagram about, Hassan, about Hassan's pick and roll play, right? So, lack thereof. So, and, and the Portland fans are already wondering why he's sagging 10 feet off of shooters. Uh, we told you, it's just like we told the Jets about. Adam Gase, okay? We told Manish Mehta, who covers the Jets up there, about Adam Gase, and now all of a sudden, you know, he agrees with us about Adam Gase. Portland will learn about Hassan Whiteside, because they were. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, Flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with help. BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/MiamiHeat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.com/MiamiHeat.
0: Able to dump him
1: and also to bring in Myers Leonard, a very useful piece there. Now, did they have to give up the first round pick because of what happened with Dallas? Yes, but they kept Dragic, who is a useful player for them and potentially is a trade chip down the road, which may net them a first round pick back anyway, right? So all of that has gone well. They've gotten, they've had a clear direction since those trades were made when they've kind of figured out what the rotation is going to be. I think that they've had the Dion Goron thing in mind for quite a while. They know what uh, Derek Jones Jr.'s role is going to be. They see Kendrick Nunn as kind of a tenth guy who's going to slide in and out of the rotation, give them extra ball handling. They're getting Duncan Robinson some reps, even though he hasn't shot the ball particularly well. But there is a clear path here with all this. And what we're going to get to after the break is... Goran specifically because I I think that when we talk about trades we just think of okay you can go get this guy and you can send Goran's contract and I think sometimes we forget like if this team is going to be seriously competitive this year they're probably going to need Goran Dragic we'll be right back We'll get back to our episode here in a second, but one thing that you know, if you followed me, is that I'm old. I've been doing this since 1996. That was my first year covering the Miami Heat. When you get old, you get out of shape, and that's what was happening to me. It wasn't enough for me just to go to the gym because all I'll do there is exercise my Twitter fingers. I needed someone to push me a little bit. I reached out to Jose from Evolution of Fitness, and you should too. It's not just a workout for you there. It's like a total nutrition program and everything else. And As someone who used to drink six Coca-Colas a day, I definitely need that so reach out to jose i'm not posting workout selfies i will just tell you i look and feel better than i did a few months ago give him a call at 754-423-1153 that's 754-423-1153 reach out to jose evolution of fitness make sure you mention ethan or five reasons so he knows where you came from and maybe he'll take it easy on you but probably not All right, and once you're looking good, you should come out and see us. And where's the first place that you can see us this season? It's going to be at GQ's Craft House on October 26th. Why? Because Alf decided, he's a masochist, he decided that our first watch party of the season, our first Miami Heat watch party, should be a road game against the best in the conference Bucks. because we need to extend our record to 0-12 on watch parties. So maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. It probably will happen. We'll probably be 0-12. But anyway, you can drink great beer. We'll be at GQ's Craft House. That's at 4457 North University Drive in Lauderhill. So we're going up to North, kind of northwest Broward a little bit going to see some of our people up there. We will have watch parties a little bit further south later in the season. We're going to do this one a little bit up north. We'll be there starting at about 5 o'clock. So this is the first ever five-on-the-floor watch party. We've got a clean slate. We're zero and zero. Here's the big thing about it. Tons of free food, and we're going to have some T-shirt giveaways, and obviously they've got great craft beer. So it's Saturday, October 26th at 5 o'clock. Saturday, October 26th at 5 o'clock. And when the Heat lose, it's Alf's fault. All right, we're back here on five on the floor. One of the guys you'll be watching at the watch party is Goran Dragic. And I think this is a debate that we should have again. Now, if we've talked about this a little bit on previous podcasts, but I feel like, and Zach Lowe hit on this a little bit in the podcast you're talking about, where he said, Greg isn't just an expiring contract. He's a good player. like, And I think sometimes we forget that, and part of that, I believe, is because he missed some time last season. Period. appeared that he lost a step defensively, which is a place he can't really afford to lose a step, and he hasn't finished the past couple of years with the sort of ridiculous efficiency that he used to finish with. But he's become a better three-point shooter. He still can run an offense. It's never been, you know, he's never been an elite point guard in that way, but he still can create... He's crafty in terms of the kind of the the sort of the the release points, um, you know, when he gets into the lane, the spins, everything else that he does. He's a good locker room guy. He's well liked by the entire organization. He wants to be in Miami. So I ask you this: Is there any scenario other than a serious upgrade at his position? And I don't know that Kyle Lowry is that, to be honest. Other than a serious upgrade at his position, where it even makes sense to trade Goran Dragic and that expiring during this season as opposed to letting it play out and maybe trying to get him on a two- or three-year deal to finish in his career in Miami as a sixth or seventh man.
2: Literally, literally, to me, there's two guys that actually, I mean, we, we can talk about Kawhi, Paul George, uh, Giannis all day long, but none of that's going to happen, not this season, not anytime soon. So there's two guys out there that actually make sense if – if you were going to move Goron, then yeah, it, you'd have to swallow it. But listen, it's worth it. It's if Victor Oladipo gets healthy and wants to move, or Bradley Beal, because Goron is one of your most uh, valuable pieces right now. Just because he's a, uh, he has nineteen million dollars. Actually, he's probably down to like seventeen now, like seventeen million dollars expiring deal. It's a valuable piece. He's still a good player. So, if, if to get any of these guys, Beal or Oladipo is going to take Goron. Outside of that, I really don't see the value or I don't see why you would take the guy off your team or why you would just jettison him for a guy like Kyle Lowry who really doesn't make sense, like I said before, short-term or long-term. Because what we've seen in the in the preseason, and you guys can look up all the numbers, when Goron comes in and that second unit comes in, they light other second units on fire. Because Goron is at his best when he doesn't have anyone to defer to. I don't care how well Tyler Hero is playing. Goron Dragic does not have to divert to Tyler Hero yet. But if he's out there with Justice Winslow and Jimmy Butler, he's going to defer to them a little bit. And you've seen Justice in him. It's, it hasn't been like there hasn't been tension. I, I won't even get. I won't go there. But there's been a little bit of
1: hesitancy indecision. There, there's indecision that's the thing but I mean we saw the one alley play right where Goran fed justice and we all kind of commented Alex and I were Alex and I were talking that justice didn't look like he had quite the same explosion and, and that is the topic maybe for another day here but uh, that but that's but maybe it's not for another day because that's another reason they need Goran Dragic like unless they're bringing in a, a, another point guard or somebody who can play the point I mean Tyler Harrell can handle the ball Jimmy Butler can handle the ball but they don't, and they they have Kendrick Nunn here. But they don't. Uh, but look, we don't really know if Justice is going to be up to this. We think so based on this small sample size that we saw last season. But guys regress, okay? There's been, I've seen some issues with him in terms of using the right a little bit this year. The finishing hasn't been great. The shooting has looked better to me in practice than it's looked in the games. I think he's going to be fine. But if he isn't, you have a guy who was an all star at the point guard position. Like, I don't understand why there's this rush to move him. The Heat are in good position cap-wise the next couple of years, regardless of what they do with Goran Dragic, okay? Unless they give Goran Dragic a ridiculous three-year deal, which they're not going to do. I mean, they'll give him something that's team-friendly. So I just think, to me, he's too valuable. The other piece I want to get to with you here is Myers-Leonard because you were high on Myers-Leonard when he came in, and I don't think we're talking about him enough. I mean, they've basically slid him into the starting lineup, and he's fit perfectly. He, he's, he hustles. He makes threes. He's not a great defender, but he's sort of positionally, he's trying. You can tell there's effort there. He's rebounded the ball great. Um, he's they I've observed him in the locker room. The players all seem to really connect with him. They like him. He's, he's connected with the community. But also, he's on an expiring contract. And I just wonder, one of the questions that was posed, and, and there's another media guy who basically said this to me, and I don't think this is a crazy thought, well, if the team's not doing so well, like is Mickey going to want to pay the tax? And if that's the case, then moving Myers Leonard may be a way to get yourself under at some point. Do you think that they view, based on what you've seen and the way they've used him, do you think they view Myers Leonard as a long-term piece here? Somebody that may be, will be here the rest of this season, but also beyond? I 100% think that he is in the plans for this
2: season. If you, if you watch... They've put him in the starting lineup all three games. I'm pretty sure it's been all three games. He's played He's played in the starting lineup. Just talking about him on the floor, yet maybe he's not the greatest defender. He's not the rim protector Hassan Whiteside was. But... He hustles his ass off. He's not sagging 10 feet away from anybody at any point in in any defensive possession. He rebounds the ball much better than was reported when he came here. All we heard was a guy, he's a big stiff and can't rebound. B.S. We've watched him rebound and we've watched him rebound well and aggressively. And also, when you're out there with Bam and you want to present a big lineup, just having him as such a large body in the lane is super helpful. And he, we saw what what Bam Adebayo could do last preseason, preseason game. He could erase a lot of defensive mistakes. So to have a guy that you have to guard on the other end of the floor, you cannot leave Myers Leonard open. You see, he'll take it halfway between the three-point line and the half-court line. He will take that shot, and he can make that shot. So you have to guard him. He hustles defensively. Pairing him—it's the same way with same thing with Olenek, pairing him with Bam. Bam can kind of erase the mistakes defensively, but having that other big body there is just super crucial, and especially on the offensive end with the things that they can do offensively. Now, I think Kelly Olynyk brings a different a different aspect to the game. I really do like. I do feel like he's a better passer than Myers Leonard is. So I do want to see what that what 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 comes about with that. And I also like what I've seen from Myers on uh, in that second unit with Goron. Him and Goron seem to have a really. really they had one mistake one mishap one miscommunication and outside of that they've played extremely well together on both sides of the ball so whether Myers Leonard becomes the backup or he's a starter it it really to me it doesn't really matter I believe him and Kelly Olenek can be interchangeable but with the way that you've seen him get minutes in this in this preseason I do believe he's part of the plans for this year now going forward who man if he has a breakout year they might not be able to afford him with everything else going on with the cap, with with what they want, uh, with basically what their future plans are for when they finally do have significant cap relief. I don't know if Myers Leonard at 12, 13, 14 million a year, if that's what he commands after a really good season, it's going to be in their future plans. But for this season, for this team, yes, I think 1,000%, unless, like I said, the Beal or Oladipo type deal come, uh, comes around. I could see them moving him and Goron because those are the expiring deals. But beyond that, no, I think he's here to stay.
1: And you know, you mentioned there's another guy, you know, Derek Jones Junior, that they're gonna have a decision to make on going forward and okay, how much are you gonna pay a guy who's not twenty two years old yet and appears to have this kind of upside but doesn't really have a position? Like you know, and so I and, and you know, if you got Jimmy Butler and you just drafted KZ Akpala how much do you want to pay Derek Jones Jr.? I sort of felt like the KZ Pala pick to some degree was protection in case they can't re-sign Derek Jones Jr. So they're going to have some decisions to make. I have come around to the idea of Kelly Olenek on the second unit. And not just because we haven't seen him, although he was back doing more at practice today. It's more so because I like the flexibility of him being able to play the four and the five. I I think, because to me it's, Okay, you don't know which of the guys, Bam or Leonard, is going to get in foul trouble early. And you could really play Olinic with either of them. Offensively, him and Myers would fit. I think really well, and you know there'd be some defensive issues. You'd have to be pretty damn strong on the on the perimeter, but I do think they can fit. You know, and I also think Olenek fits well next to Derrick Jones Jr. Uh, Kelly is not a great offensive rebounder. Derek Jones Jr. for his size is. I think that's helpful also. And I just I look at that four man unit that you could put together, and you find a better bench in the league, then, then if Dion will accept it, that's the big issue, if Dion will accept it, you find me a better bench than Goran, Dion, Derrick Jones Jr., and Olytic as your top four, and you're just basically doing what the big three Heat did, which is you're really playing four off the bench. That was Cole, Battier, Anderson, and Allen. And you got, in that case, it was LeBron and Dwayne, That would sort of switch off playing with those four. So you have the bench and one of those guys. And this year, I think it's Butler and Winslow that you pair with those four guys. Eric likes to follow previous formulas, even with different types of teams. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff he's doing that feels Big 3-ish to me. Jimmy and Justice are not LeBron and Dwayne. But I actually think some of the, the the other pieces on this team are more interesting and more flexible. That team had a lot of one dimension, even the guys I mentioned to you off the bench. Ray at that stage of his career, pretty one dimensional. Right, Anderson pretty one-dimensional. Norris Cole, you know, there, Norris could do certain things pretty well, but obviously we saw Norris didn't have a long stay in the NBA after he left the Heat. Uh, and and Shane was flexible, but obviously Shane at that stage of his career, uh, you know, w- was not quite the same player he was earlier in his career. But I feel like we're getting to a core rotation, and I do think Kelly is valuable there.
2: Well, one of the things when we're talking about just bringing in guys or a guy like Kyle Lowry and then just shedding some of your depth for for a player that doesn't necessarily move the needle. We saw last year in the playoffs what happened to the really top-heavy teams. Teams needed depth, injuries, um, just overall fatigue, just being able to game plan against guys way too easily because guys had to play 40-plus minutes a game because there was nobody behind them on the bench. We saw what happened to the Sixers. The Sixers didn't have enough depth. Right, the the Bucks didn't have enough depth, or and the the Raptors' depth, just they were just deeper than everybody else. And then you look at even what happened to the Warriors in the finals. So now I'm not calling this a finals team or even a conference finals team, but what I am saying is. Before you jettison your depth, your assets, your prospects, make sure that what you're doing that for is worth it in the long run. And I don't think a guy like Kyle Lowry is worth it because I I think right now as a Heat currently constituted, like we both said, they're a three seed. And secondly, they have one of the best bench units in the entire league. If you could somehow keep that intact, you do it. You don't worry about – I hope you don't worry about the luxury tax – you don't worry about guys like Kyle Lowry or I don't know who else could call, shake loose this year, but there's only a few guys you would you would give up that depth for.
1: Well, the other names I think we're going to hear. All right, before we close this thing out, we're, we're, well, Iguodala is a different situation. Like Iguodala is a role guy at this stage, right? And I, I think Iguodala is going to end up with one of the LA teams ultimately. But the guy, I think the names you're going to hear in the front court are Kevin Love and Blake Griffin, and. You know, with Blake, uh, you know, Blake has put up these, you know, uh, Matt Moore, you know, of Action Network was talking about this. Like the stuff that Blake has been doing in the shadows has been pretty amazing the past few years. And he has stayed healthier typically than he was before. Kevin Love can't stay healthy, though. You know, my feelings on Kevin Love, like uh, the idea of Kevin Love is great. Yeah. But the actual Kevin Love on your team not being available consistently um, defensively you know I watched him for a full year and it's tough there's just certain things athletically he can't do to
2: me Blake does a lot of the things Kelly does on steroids
1: yeah a big yeah big time steroids that's not just HGAs. look Blake, Blake Griffin is, is a top 20 player in the NBA I don't think there's any question um, but w- w- are you banking your future on him that you're going to give up two significant assets at the very least to get him? With Kevin Love, uh, Kevin Love strikes me as very much an Eric Spolster-type player. And you talk about Kelly Olenek. Kevin Love does everything that Kelly Olenek does better than Kelly Olynyk does it. But ha- Except stay healthy, and how, how? And we say that as Kelly just missed some time, but how healthy is he going to be? And how much do you want to give up for that? So we'll talk more about this as we go forward. But again, we got an Eric Reed episode coming up. Probably going to welcome back old friend Mike Wallace next week because Memphis is playing against the Heat. And as I mentioned on a previous podcast, we've got a former Heat player. Now works with the Heat, who we may have for a Heat Stories episode. You can probably figure out who that is. Also, check out another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That's a Seltzer Mayberg law firm. They handle all kinds of cases all over the state. They've got an office in North Miami, which we actually share with them. Go to OneCallLegal.com. That's OneCallLegal.com. It is the place to go. They do a lot of stuff. But it is the place to go if you got to get a traffic ticket thrown out. Trust me. Okay, they did it for me. I waited in the waiting room. They came out. They said, you're done. Go home. It's over with. It got tossed out. So go check them out. It's onecalllegal.com. That's the law firm of Seltzer Mayberg. And, of course, our watch party, October 26th. That's it gq's craft house that's in lauder hill 4497 north university drive five o'clock heat bucks five o'clock heat bucks i'm probably gonna get there a couple minutes late so you guys can drink all the drinks or all the beer before i get there but they're gonna have they have great beer obviously we got free food and we got some t-shirts coming so check us out there